oh, I hear this so often, people just aren't volunteering anymore. And that's just so not true. But they're volunteering in different ways and they're looking and they're volunteering for different reasons. Are you looking for ways to shorten your marketing learning curve and help your organization survive and thrive? Welcome to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast, a show for purpose-focused leaders who want to use marketing techniques to fuel their organization's growth. If you're a returning listener and you haven't subscribed already, we'd love to have you. Also, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Now here's your host, author and marketing specialist, Stu Swinefort. Hey everybody, if you are like many nonprofits, you have a volunteer base that you are trying to engage, trying to make sure their onboarding is dialed in, trying to make sure that they love your organization as much as you do so that you can actually get some work done. Welcome to Relish This. I am Stu and my guest today is Karen Knight. She is the founder of Karen Knight Consulting, which is a really cool volunteer centered organization up in Canada that helps um, nonprofits fine tune their volunteerism, make sure that that's working and firing on all cylinders and make sure that people are engaged and getting work done that you need them to get done to uh, improve the way that your nonprofit is able to, to help your constituents. We talked a lot about DEI. We talked a, a lot about just process in general, um, as well as just how to start to view things from a different perspective. Most of the time we look at things from, well, all the time we're looking from things, looking at things from a, a point of view uh, that is centered around ourselves. And often there is a different way of, of looking at any given situation. Karen helps organizations really dig down and see a different way to approach volunteerism in particular. Um, this is a fantastic show. If you have volunteers, if you're considering having volunteers, or uh, just if you want to know how to um, really think about how your organization, your board reflects the communities that you serve as well as the communities in which you work. So I hope you have a good time as, as much fun as I did talking with Karen. Here we go. Karen, how are you today? I'm great, Stu. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. I'm really excited to chat with you about all of your experience working with nonprofits, particularly in the volunteer space. How did you start working in the in this area? A long time ago. <laughs> um, way back, actually, when I was 11 years old, I started volunteering. I was calling bingo at my grandmother's senior's home. <laughs> oh, wow. That must have been yeah. fun. It was fun. It was actually quite unexpected because I had I was there visiting my grandmother who doesn't play bingo, but um, we were going through the main section and, and the, everybody was complaining because the person who usually calls bingo couldn't do it and nobody else wanted to call because then they couldn't play. And okay. so everything was kind of a, a thing. And I said, well, I can do that. I'll, I'll, I pull the ball, balls out of this big net and, and then call them out that's all I have to do right and they said oh yeah yeah 
And they were so happy and so thrilled that I did that, that it just started a bug in me that I, I, I can do something really simple and, and easy and people are thrilled and love me for it. So uh, that's, yeah. that was my, uh, my start in, in volunteering. Well, it sounds like you, like, like many volunteers got tossed in the deep end a little bit there and just <laughs> figured out how to swim. So that's amazing. There you go. And then, and then from there, um, I was involved with an organization called Toastmasters and it's a, a volunteer run organization. Even our international president is, vo- is a volunteer and I worked through that. So I've led volunteers at quite a high level and, um, and I sit on the board of directors for a couple of different organizations. So I've kind of seen the whole thing, like from all different angles. Well, that's great. It's fun when one has that opportunity to to experience kind of all the pieces of an ecosystem. That's essentially how I got involved in marketing. It was at some point I was like, "Well, wait, I've done everything. I'm, maybe I'll sh- maybe it's time to start my own business." So, um, so it's fun to see how how that works for people. Did was there anything in particular in terms of the volunteer experience, even at an early age, that you picked up on that that you felt could could uh, benefit from some fixing? Not so much at an early age. I don't think I knew enough then. Uh, One thing I did notice once I became more experienced and started volunteering in different places is the, how many organizations, even quite big organizations don't prepare to have volunteers. So for example, I had, I volunteered well, I won't say the name. It was a, it was a museum. Uh, and I went, I applied, they accepted me. I went, I did the, um, uh, did all the applications. They assigned me a shift. I show up for the shift and the person up the front desk looks at me with a complete blank look. No idea was coming. I had nothing prepared for me to do. And, and I thought, well, that's fine. I mean, the first shift happens, right? And so she had me do some make work stuff for my shift and I went I thought well next time it'll it'll be better and the next time exactly the same thing happened she didn't know I was coming she had nothing prepared I ended up doing make work stuff for my shift and the third time I walked in the door and she gave me this look like oh my god here we go again and I got this feeling okay I am not helping I am an inconvenience so I turned around walked out never went back yeah and I've seen that happen in quite a few different organizations where, where yes, they want, we want volunteers, but we don't really know what we want them to do or how to deal with them when they do show up. Yeah. Do you feel like that is a, I mean, certainly there's a planning component there. It, it sounds to me like there's a process piece as well in terms of onboarding it's a huge or process. Yeah. What, it, so it, what, um, what are some of the things that you have, have developed for organizations to help them better run their, their nonprofit onboarding or, or just to, to nail that experience a little bit better. Right. A lot of it is, is the pre-planning thinking, okay, we need volunteers. We'll pull back a bit. What do you need volunteers for? What's break each task down into, into a role? What works together? How does this fit? Who do you need? What what kind of skills or, or aptitudes does a, a particular volunteer need to do well in this position? Right? If you if you think that stuff through, 
all right, so this this is what we need them to do. This is what they need to be able to do it, whether we train them or, or they come with that knowledge already. And then, okay, what, when do they need to do it and who's going to be in charge of them? Just thinking things through ahead of time can make all of that easier. Oh, you're here to do this. Let me take you over there. George is going to be the one who's, who will answer all your questions. Right. Okay. Just thinking ahead. Right. It's so simple, but, uh, but one of those things that I think a lot of people miss out on, I know, um, from time to time, uh, you know, there's a call for, for, um, interns at, uh, at, at different businesses. And, and I've been in organizations that have said, oh, you need to take advantage of, of interns and be able to, to leverage that. And, and I've always thought, well, I don't know exactly what I would want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I would actually bring bring value to them um, in this process, and and it sounds like a, a very similar challenge in the nonprofit world. They may they may have a good understanding or a, a feeling that they should should be doing this, but they don't necess- They haven't really thought out what what the, this is, um, yes, exactly, or what the yes, what the outcome we, should be. We need help because we can't do it all ourselves, but they haven't thought of about which particular pieces mm-hmm. that that they're not going to do, the volunteers are now going to do. And then yeah. laying that out in a way that a volunteer who walks in can say, oh, okay, I can help with that. And this, yeah. is, this is what I bring. I bet that stems from the, it's not a unique challenge to, to nonprofits, but the, um, this idea that, that the founder or the executive director has typically worn all the hats in the organization up to a certain point, particularly in, in, you know, newer volunteer organizations where, where one or two people have done a lot of different things. And, and there's an ownership piece to that as well as a, an idea that, that it's going to take me longer to, to train someone to know how to do this than to just do it myself. And so, so what ends up happening is you end up getting someone in house, you know, or a volunteer coming in to, to give you their time, but you haven't managed to figure out how to let go of some things. Is that, do do you feel like that's a, a, a big challenge that, that executive directors may, may struggle with? To some extent. I mean, certainly that, that, the the inability to delegate for for whatever reason is endemic throughout every organization, whether for profit or or um, social impact organizations or even government. Um, people don't know how to delegate, and so the whole like you said, the whole idea. Well, it's easier and faster to do it myself than to to teach somebody else. It tends to be very short term thinking. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's easier for me to do this now, but if I spend an hour doing it myself every week forever, or I spend three hours teaching someone else to do it and I never need to look at it again, yeah. it, it seems like an obvious thing, but it is hard for people to really grasp what that means. Yeah. And, and let's face it, just to find that three hours to set aside to do the training, it's, I mean, Nonprofits, especially small ones, people are running and doing so many things that to carve out that kind of training time, even though they know it would help in the in the future, is difficult. Yeah. How do you take people through that journey in, in terms of identifying the, the things that they could 
pass off to to volunteer help and then making sure that that those training you know systems get get accomplished so that volunteers can actually do some good work what what are how do you take people through that challenge lots and lots of talking <laughs> Let, let's just sit down and have a conversation where are you struggling what's hurting what what are you not doing because you just don't have time what clients are falling through the cracks because you couldn't handle this particular aspect once they get a really clear view of what they could be doing if this was dealt with then they're far more willing to make the time. They're, you'll never find the time. You have to make the time. Um, what can be set aside for just this week so I can train these people? And when they see the, the, see the, the increase in impact that they can have by doing this, they're far more likely to, to find ways to make that time. Yeah. It's like an inertia thing. Once you get it rolling, exactly. it, it's pretty obvious how, how much, <laughs> how much this benefits every, everyone and, and the organization as a whole. And um, it's just and, getting and it going. And once you run it once yeah. and see the benefit, well then, yeah. Oh yeah. I'll train somebody. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. I'll do that. Right. Once, once they see the benefit, then, then they'll jump right on it. Yeah. Do you help volunteer organizations with volunteer acquisition as well, or are you mostly helping with optimizing their volunteer base? Actually, probably recruitment is what I'm brought on the most for. It's people saying, I can't volunteer. People don't volunteer. Oh, I hear this so often. People just aren't volunteering anymore. And that's mm. just so not true. But they're volunteering in different ways. And they're looking and they're volunteering for different reasons. Yeah. So, so they may be volunteering just as much. Um, I came up, I should have had this up and ready, but uh, I saw some stats out of the UK. They looked at the top, um, what is it, the top 15 cities, the largest 15 cities in, in the UK, including Scotland and Ireland and everything. And they were looking at how many people volunteer in some way in each of them and then breaking them down by categories. And 63% of Generation Z people volunteer, right? They they are by far the biggest group of volunteers are these young people. And everybody's saying, well, young people, they don't have the the drive or or they don't have the, the civic sense of civic responsibility or anything like that but they volunteer more than anybody else baby boomers wow. everybody but they volunteer in different ways so they're less likely to go to say uh the SBCA or uh, an organization and and say okay sign me up I'll I'll be a volunteer for you forever mm -hmm. they're more likely to say my neighbor needs help with shoveling his driveway I'll go do that Right. Rather than go through an organization like Snow Angels, which organizes people to go out and shovel drive, right, they'll just right. go out and do it. Right. Uh -huh. um, and they are also more likely to want to do project based things. They're not going to sign up with an organization and be their volunteer for the next two years. They're saying, oh, you need help with that. OK, I'll come in tomorrow and I'll help you with that. Right. And then I'm gone and maybe I'll volunteer somewhere else the next day. 
Mm-hmm. So organizations need to find ways to harness that. So how can you, instead of expecting a volunteer to stick around for for the same shift for months on end, you'll say, okay, we're going to bring all of this into one big project. We'll get a whole bunch of people and get it out of the way rather than doing a little bit at a time. So. Interesting. So it's a bit of a paradigm shift in terms of how a lot of organizations have worked where, exactly. where they've 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 really relied on <clears throat> that regularity of workforce for lack of a better word and and that workforce just is working a different way. It sounds like a similar problem to what uh what people are experiencing in the for-profit world where you know you hear all the time that people just don't want to work and I don't I don't know that I agree with <laughs> with no, people when they no, say they, that they very just much. Don't but don't want to uh, work in the same old way. Yeah. So, what are you recommending for organizations to 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 make that shift? Just be more cognizant of of opportunities to to batch their their workload a little differently. Um, what are some other ways that organizations can kind of get around this new or the shift in in um, in in work style, I guess, for lack of a better word. Well, partly, partly that, partly take a good look at what you do and how it can be readjusted. And then, when you're out there recruiting for volunteers, don't lay the emphasis on commitment. Lay the emphasis on impact, especially mm-hmm. with younger volunteers. They're they're out there to make a difference. Right? And if you can show, yes, you come in and help us, even just for, for a day, this is the difference that you can make in our community. Mm-hmm. And that will, will draw people in like you wouldn't believe. It's funny uh, how that yeah. messaging works across the <laughs> across the spectrum, right? It's <laughs> that's the same it. thing that we tell our nonprofit clients when they're when they're marketing for for donors, um, mm-hmm. is you know, you need to figure out a way to tell this story in such a way that is, is really driving home the impact that the donor themselves is going to be making with, with their contribution, mm-hmm. um, placing them in that, in that position of hero in the story, as opposed to the organization. And it's a, it's a subtle shift. Um, and it's a, it can be a little challenging because historically, you know, people think of the Red Cross as the hero. They're, they're, you know, they're rushing in and they're, they're helping out, um, you know, these people in need or, you know, whatever organization you want to pull up. That was just the one that first came to, to right, mind for right, some reason. Yeah. Um, but in, if, if you can reimagine that story that puts the donor or the volunteer in that position, in that, in that role of hero, um, and and really demonstrates that impact. I, that's right. that's just really great advice. Yeah, that's one thing I, I've been telling clients for for years is when when you um, oh my brain just went blank, <laughs> just lost what I was going to say. But the whole the whole idea of, of like you said, put them as the hero instead of the organization. Whether you're when you do volunteer appreciation events or whatever, don't make it about what the organization did. Make mm-hmm. it about what you are doing that's helping the organization make a difference yeah. and how far back the organization would be if they didn't have you as the volunteer. Yeah, so more volunteer appreciation galas instead of of organization galas or something like that. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It's actually quite interesting because you were talking about donors. Uh, 
it has studies have shown that volunteers are the highest number of donors that that an organization usually has Mm -hmm. and yet they're very seldom looked at as donors that need to be nurtured Mm -hmm. so you nurture all your big corporate donors and all the outside donors and you forget often forget about your volunteers who tend to be the ones who push your organization the most yeah it's funny we um often lose track of of this idea of escalating one's involvement and, and volunteering is a donation of time. Typically, Um, you know, we think of donors as, as, you know, either in kind or, or monetary or, you know, some, some other kind of financial component, but all of these things are just energy. They're, they're, they're just ways of bringing um, goodness to, to an organization or to, to a cause. And, um, and yeah, they all really kind of need to be treated in, in similar ways in a lot, in a lot of respects. Um, the other thing that, that I think gets lost is the idea of escalating one's involvement and, and one might start out, um, as a, as a volunteer and then escalate to become a donor or to be, become a corporate donor or to be, you know, like that, that engagement can be lifted up and, and, um, and when we put them in, put people in buckets, like this is just a volunteer, we potentially miss those opportunities to, um, to, to engage them in a little slightly different way that might bring them to the board or might bring them to, um, you know, like I said, a corporate sponsorship or 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 a corporate donation. Yeah. Employment. exactly. Exactly. I know. I just, I just, published a blog on Wednesday about should you hire your volunteers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there are w- huge benefits to doing that. Um, there's challenges, of course, with everything. But um, but yeah, the more we can involve our volunteers in, in and the, involve them in, in as many different ways as we can, the more committed they're going to be if you want committed volunteers. And the more they're going to be talking about the organization and about the cause in the general community and yeah. the more information you get out there, the better everybody is. Absolutely. You bring more volunteers in, they potentially bring more donors in, employees, right. et cetera. Yeah. Et cetera. And sometimes just awareness that this issue is out there. Yeah. Even, yeah. Even beneficiaries of, of the organization's, um, efforts can find out about them through just organic, uh, volunteer, um, you know, people out out there talking about their experience on social media. It's like, oh, wow, I have this problem. I need to call those guys. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. So the organization by, by treating their volunteers really well, Mm -hmm. actually make a bigger impact in their communities. Yeah. What are some of the ways that organizations can do a better job of, of, of that volunteer kind of management piece? Um, where, where do you see people falling through the cracks most frequently? Oh, management, the actual management of volunteers is a massive, (laughs) massive area. I don't know that I can point to just one, um, there's a lot of, of challenges right now, and, and you've probably heard about them because of DEI, um, diversity, equity, inclusion type issues um, about there's a lot of 
challenges, especially in organizations that are helping a specific group of client or specific groups of clients mm -hmm. with people saying, oh, those poor people, I'll go in and help them. Mm -hmm. You come in with that white savior kind of mentality. There's a lot of that out there. And that's, that can be really problematic because, yes, you do want to help them, but you need to help them from their side, not from your side. You can't mm -hmm. go in and be the savior. You, you have to go in and say, okay, how can I help? Mm -hmm. Not, I've got, I, I can fix this for you. Just, just let me at it. It's okay. Cause you don't know what they've done in the past and you may not even know what the real problem is because mm -hmm. you, you're coming from the outside. You don't know. So that's, that's one thing I've seen a lot of, but the biggest part of that that I've seen is the complete, not complete, the significant, significant lack of how am I going to phrase this? That so many organizations don't even see it as a problem. Mm. Right? That it's, oh yeah, we we've got people of, of color on our on our team, don't we? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and and they're they're missing the point entirely, right? Yeah. It's not having them there. Are you listening to them? Are you talking to them? Are you getting their perspectives? Because it's not. Diversity isn't so much about whether you have people of color or people of different ethnicities or different abilities. It's about whether they have different worldviews. Are they seeing the world differently than the vast majority of the people in your organization? And can you learn from that? Because if, if everybody you have, like I'm on a board right now where all but two people are between the ages of 50 and 70, we're all white, we're all female, mm. right? How can we go out there and say that we can see the full spectrum of how we can help people? Because we're, with the best intention, we're wearing blinders, right? Mm -hmm. We're wearing blinkers. We can only see what we know and we're all coming from the same perspective. So we can only see one thing. Yeah. We need to bring it around so that we have people looking at the same problem from a thousand different ways. And then we can come, start coming up with a comprehensive solution. Yeah, it's that diversification of, of viewpoint that um, mm -hmm. that is super helpful. Because yes. um, like you said, we're all looking at, at things from our point of view. And, and that's where if you just have someone who's looking at it from just even a slightly different angle. Um, the, you know, it opens up a whole different well, perspective, obviously of, of the, the problems and the solutions. Um, yeah. um, it's, it's the whole thing, you know, the whole story about the three blind men and the elephant, right? Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> Everybody sees it differently unless you can all get together and talk about it and see, talk about how you see it and be in many cases, super surprised about how other people see exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the story of one of, one of the, one of the people is touching the elephant's side and thinks it's just a rough wall. And right. the other is touching its trunk and thinks it's this pointy, um, you know, smooth, spiky thing. And the other, right. or, or I'm sorry, the tusk. And then the third person is touching the trunk and thinks it's a snake-like creature. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. The tail is a rope, and mm-hmm. yeah, there's all, all sorts of different ways out there. But yeah, and if they hadn't ever got together, how would they know what an elephant looked like? Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. What do you recommend for organizations to do? You, I mean, obviously, it's nice to to start everywhere in terms of diversification. Is there a, a place? You know, is it the board that that usually needs to to have the the most change early earlier on, or where where do you it recommend has, people start? Yeah, it has to start at the at the top level, mm-hmm. um, and it it has to start with with recognizing what's missing and the best way to do that is just look at the demographics of your community i mean does your board and and senior staff mirror the the diversity in your community mm-hmm. so for example on this one board i'm on um we're all white there and yet what is it about 30 percent of of our community is are people of color mm-hmm. right and not one, not one. Right. So, uh, we have one man on on the entire board. Uh, one man in in one man, not counting the volunteers. One man in the entire organization, senior mm-hmm. leadership, staff, anything. There's, it's all women. That that ain't <laughs> that isn't a, a good representative of our community, right? right. So. It would be a pretty sad community if it was. <laughs> yeah, that would be a little bit sad. I think you also probably need to look at the at at the people that you're serving as well, and and have representation there. Mm-hmm. Um, I I know I had um, had a guest on the show last year or even two years ago now, who was talking about their their approach to volunteerism was to embed people in the communities for some period of time to get a feel for what, what the actual needs were before, you know, sending down pallets of, of shoes or clothing or water bottles or whatever it was that, right. that everybody thought the, the community needed. needed. And, um, and so really the, the way that, 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 that organization worked was to, was to allow the, the recipient base to, provide a lot of insight and guidance in, into the the activities and materials that were that were created and, and provided for support for that community um, and I thought that was a really interesting way to to make sure that there that there was you know some somebody embedded in in the in the problem solving as opposed as opposed to just swooping in and thinking that we all have this idea of how these problems really need to get solved which, um, which takes us right back to the white saviorism thing yeah mm-hmm. you can look at it from the outside and say this is what these people need but if you talk to them they they give you a completely different thing i heard a, a wonderful quote um dr musa mua I'm, I'm pulling a, I'll have to look it up and I'll send you the, the, the name, but he was, he was doing a presentation on, on diversity. And he was, he said, you can't create diversity for other people. You have to co-create it with them. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's, and that's, that's what holds up. I think a lot of words is they think they're, they're fixing their diversity problem, but because they're doing it from their own, viewpoint Mm -hmm. they're not actually changing anything 
So you have to co-create it with them. Bring people in from the community that you want and have a discussion. How what what can we do on this board that would make you feel comfortable volunteering on this board or volunteering for this organization? Mm-hmm. What what would prevent you from from volunteering with us? Because you may not even see the challenges that they're facing. Yeah, it's it's really interesting um, to consider the taking that step back because we all want to take action. We want, we want to hit the ground running and, you know, let's get some stuff done and, and, it, it done and it's now. Like, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's slow down just a little bit and make sure that the, the things we're doing are actually creating the results that, that we would like to have and they're, and are moving us toward that, those objectives. Right. Exactly. Another, you're talking about, issues with volunteering or managing volunteers. Another one that comes up a lot is, oh, my volunteers sign up for a shift and then they don't show or they um, they show up and leave early or I just can't rely on my volunteers. So that's another one that another issue that seems to come up a lot. And there's a couple ways you can deal with that one. Um, and the first comes down to training and communication. Just do they know that they were scheduled for a shift then? You'd be surprised how many organizations didn't realize that. So when you are engaging with a volunteer organization in terms of strategic planning, what what's your process there? How do people what what should people expect when they when they start working with you in terms of of, uh, of getting going? A lot depends on on what they bring me on for because I have kind of three or four separate types of service that I offer. And one is basically just I come in and I I fix your problem for you, whatever it is. Um, So if you're if you're having trouble recruiting or I had a a contract just recently with a, a local search and rescue team. Now, they have tons of people want to volunteer to go out and search and be a hero, but they don't have anybody who wants to do all the backroom stuff, like maintaining the equipment and things like that. So they couldn't get people to fill fill those roles. So that's one thing I did. I went in and and helped them recruit people to to fill those backroom positions. I also mentor Mm -hmm. Uh, leaders of volunteers so if you're taking over you're new or whatever and you're taking over and you don't you have issues and you don't know where to start um, but you don't want to bring me on because I'll fix it and then I'll leave and then anything new comes up you're stuck so I can I'll mentor right current leaders of volunteers in the organization and just meet with them on a, on a weekly basis and say, okay, oh, this is what we're dealing with today. Here, here's a few ideas. And then they can learn and, and grow from there. I also do speaking. So I do workshops and presentations and stuff like that. And then um, I do a certificate program for new um, leaders of volunteers to help them get settled or started so when they go into a new organization but the probably the the one where I actually go in and work with a particular organization some depends to some extent on on what exactly I'm I'm the problem is that I'm I'm trying to work on 
but it all generally starts with sitting down with the with the board and with the executive director and and really hashing out what the problem is because in a lot of cases they will see a symptom as the problem rather than Mm -hmm. that there's something underlying and so I said okay well if we fix this would everything go away and then all of a sudden um well no because this would still be happening right and then try and peel back the layers of the onion and, and find out what the core problem is and then try and work from there. Say, okay, let's let's have a look at what the issue is. So, for example, we were look this organization I was working with to to recruit backroom volunteers. I looked at at their their job description or their role descriptions, and they were asking for ten to fifteen hours of volunteer time a week for, for a volunteer, and I thought. You're never going to get anybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> we need this. I said it's easier and much more effective to split that role up into multiple roles, and and like it's easier to fill find five volunteers to do two or three hours each than it is to one volunteer mm-hmm. who will do fifteen, right? Looking at yeah. at those issues. Coming with it with an outside perspective makes things really easy. It, it's hard to see things when you're when you're right inside it. So that's and then I look at that. Okay, discuss it. Okay, are we all good with this? All right, here's this, and then I'll rewrite the role descriptions to to set them so each task in a in a particular role fits together. So you're not having one volunteer doing multiple things that have nothing to do with each other and getting getting some overlap there where where you have multiple people kind of trained on on similar things but but there's enough overlap that that you essentially fill that that i'll call it a full-timey kind of role Uh, not that 15 hours is full-time but but that you know that that big role with a bunch of of smaller roles it it sounds like you come in and you you diagnose and then you prescribe and then then you help help make sure people are taking the medicine well that's exactly it yeah and and the biggest part of it and the hardest part for the organization is the diagnostic is is really finding out what the problem is um, what the challenge mm-hmm. really is, because it's so easy to see a symptom and say that's that's the problem, where it's just a symptom, and and it means there's something right. underlying that's not getting done or not not being seen, right. and in in many cases, and and I probably shouldn't be saying this on air, but I will anyway. Is is. Ninety percent of the time, if I come in and do the diagnostics, I don't need to do the rest. They could carry on without me from that point on, right? Because yeah, then they yeah. have the knowledge of, of what direction to go in. Oh, yeah. I had a coach once who was a coach. <laughs> that, that's how he made his living, and he he was very firm in his in his belief and messaging that no one needs mm-hmm. a coach. You know, we all have. Th- the ability to figure things out and, and accomplish 
what needs to be accomplished or what what we would like to be accomplished in order to get ourselves from from point A to point B or just get comfortable with with where we are at point A, which was really what he was trying to to get people to do. And um and I would say that you know that he's absolutely right in that regard. But sometimes it's it's just easier. It comes back to that perspective conversation we were having earlier where it's way easier to to be able to see something from another point of view if you have someone there showing you what they are seeing from their point of view. And, and it sounds to me like that's, that's exactly where you yeah. fit in. What are the, what are some of the things that, and, um, you know, just have a, a, you know, final question, I guess, for you. And in, in terms of, of our discussion here today, it's been amazing talking with you uh, about volunteer stuff. Um, but what, what would you recommend executive directors or, or, or volunteer managers, the people with whom you're working, uh, do before they in- engage with you, or, or you know, in, in preparation for you to come in and do that hard diagnostic work. What what are some of the things that you would recommend that they think about, or 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 prepare themselves for um, to have those kind of conversations and have them in a fruitful fruitful way? Well, part of it is to have a look at at the issues that they're having, and and it doesn't just need to be one. And you may only bring me on for one but really have an understanding of what your organization does. Like what is its mission? What are its values? Because if you have a clear idea of that, it, it helps form what the, what the solution will be. So, so know what, what your mission really is. I worked with an organization once that um, they rescued rabbits. So Oh, I've worked for a rabbit rescue organization oh, myself, okay. actually. Yeah, my wife right. volunteered. And, for and one so days. they rescued the rabbits and then they tried to adopt them out, right? That was their, their mission, mm-hmm. was to adopt out more rabbits. They spent a lot of time taking the rabbits to seniors' homes because the seniors loved it and, and they could, mm-hmm. it, it was great. And I thought, that's great. It, it's lovely that you do that. How does it if it, how does it help your mission? You're not going to adopt rabbits mm-hmm. to these people, right? Um, right. It would be lovely if you could find an organization that is trying to make seniors' lives better, and they come and get the rabbit and take it there. But your focus needs to be on your mission, which is adopting. So maybe taking them to schools would be a better mm-hmm. um, would further your mission better. But it was a nice thing to right. do, and they didn't want to say no. <laughs> you know how it is, right? Somebody does it. And, but when you pull back and say, okay, what are we here for? What is our reason for existence? Yeah. Is to adopt rabbits. Taking them to seniors' home is not going to take them. Uh, it's not going to fix that issue. So really have a clear yeah. idea of what your mission is, what your values are, and, and what you want to see in the yeah. world. Like, what are you there for? What's your purpose? And if you can do that yeah. and have that ready for me when I walk in, then we can jump through hoops way faster. We can get to the core. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, first thing is how can people find out more about you or, or engage with you if they see some challenges in their volunteer um, management or recruiting that, that you could help yeah, with? Um, you can email me. I'm happy to take emails at Karen 
at karenknight.ca, CA because I'm Canadian, so <laughs> it's not com, it's CA. Uh, I, my website is karenknight.ca. It's easy, easy to remember. I'm also on LinkedIn, probably the best ways is through LinkedIn, and that's Karen Knight Consulting. If you search me, you will find me. Well, great. I've also got a book. Can I show my book? I will share. Oh, yeah. What is your book? The ABCs of Leading Volunteers. (laughs) It's a very, very simple picture book with um, tips and ideas. So if you just want a really quick read or if you just want something, I need help with this, you can hop on there. So there it's it's available on Amazon. (laughs) I had to plug my book. Fantastic. I will share all of those. Yeah. Awesome. I, congratulations on the book. That is amazing. I will share all those links in, in the show notes. And um, before we leave, I'd like to ask my guests one sure. final question, which is all about action. I like having conversations and talking through things. And I think that that's a, a very important part of the process. But I also want to encourage people to take action after listening to our show. So if there was one action that you would want people to take um, to help with their volunteerism or just help with, with whatever it is that, that, they, that you think is important to, to be working on today, what, what would that action be? Appreciation. If you, appreciation is the air that volunteers breathe. Without it, they'll be gone. So if you can do one thing, this is it. Thank every volunteer every shift. Every volunteer I love that. every shift. That is great advice. And I want to thank you so very much for being on the show today. And um, I hope that you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. And there you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks again for listening. You can find past episodes of the show at relishthis.org. And remember, if you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on purpose marketing, grab your free copy of my book, Mission Uncomfortable, How Nonprofits Can Embrace Purpose-Driven Marketing to Survive and Thrive. Get your copy now at missionuncomfortablebook.com. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week, won't you?